ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. Uh, the best way to do that, you can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet to us, sfdiocese, use the hashtag ignition. Again, our Twitter handle is sfdiocese, use the hashtag ignition, our email address, ignition at sf. Catholic.org. Uh, Father and I are recording that we're recording this podcast on Ash Wednesday, so blessed Ash Wednesday to you, Father. And also with your ashes. Yes, thank you. I haven't gone to Mass yet at this point, but I will because I have to today because it's not a Holy Day of Obligation, but it feels that way. <laughs> no obligation, but uh, but it's good to go. It is good to go. Great way to start go. the Holy Season of Lent. Um, but here's the thing is that by the time anyone's listening to this, their chance to have gone will be over. Probably, yes. Uh, Which would qualify what we're talking at as just inane banter. It, this is inane banter uh, because that's what we do. Thank you very much. Yeah. By the way, if you want to hear yeah. more about Lent, last week, Father and I recorded an episode, uh, episode 209, on the joyful season of Lent. That's a topic we talk about, talk about every year when we get to this point, the beginning of Lent. But uh, I don't know, Father, I, thought, I felt really good about last week in particular. I thought that would be a good job of articulating the joy of the season of Lent. The joy of the season of Lent. So, um, And today we're going to, something uh, that certainly I think fits within the spirit of the season of Lent, but really applies to the Christian life as a whole, and that is the idea of simplicity and living simply and, and what that means. Uh, Father, I know this is uh, a week or two ago, um, you, you'd thrown this out there and there's a, another context, uh, something you had read that um, provide the initial spark, but I want to go back to the, the, that a little bit as a way to begin, you know, just the genesis of this idea in your own mind, your own thinking. How did you get here? Uh, a number of ways, but uh, s- someone had, had written an article about uh, looking at some of the work of uh, Jack London, who's uh, an American author talking about uh, usually life up in Alaska or life up in, uh, or is he a Canadian author? North American. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> North American. <laughs> and since he writes about uh, life up in the tundras in the frontier, yep. uh, he's probably not uh, from Mexico. Um, but uh, a North American author uh, writing about experiences up in the, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Alaskan wilderness. Uh, uh, and just about being alone. And and there's a, there's a certain maybe restorative aspect to that. And and I think that in some ways even that um, we as, you know, kind of living in very, very civilized environments, we kind of maybe long for or seek for um, some of that, uh, uh, some of those simpler ways of living. So the, and the idea of living simply, obviously not not particular or, or not uh, unique to Christianity, many other philosophies, many other ways of living, many other religions would would say similar things because I think there is some which points to 
how deeply that resonates. The idea resonates with the human spirit, while despite the fact that we don't often live very simply, that we often yearn for that. Um, and uh, the context of that article, uh, talking about the writing of London, sort of making that clear that oftentimes certain environments, physical environments, um, can 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 highlight that reality, that stripping away the non-essentials for us to reflect more on what is essential. Um, I, I was, uh, I remember a couple of years after high school, one of my very good friends, um, after high school, he had, he had entered, uh, enlisted in the army. Um, and he, and he was, you know, down south, he was in Georgia for, for basic training and, um, is, is stationed initially also. in I think one of the Carolinas, uh, and, and, and as part of that, um, because of that, rather when he came home for the first time after a couple years in the army uh he was home in the winter and he just he was so invigorated by the cold you know i think it's it's easy for us well that's great when you've been down south for most of the winter We, we get tired of the winter in south dakota and obviously further north but there is still a reality of how just this example of of the cold uh, obviously can be life-threatening. That was highlighted in the article um, th- that you had read, uh, but it also can be invigorating. And I think this is part of the reason why, because somehow it brings clarity to what is essential um, in, in our life and helps us strip away, at least for a time, for a bit, what isn't essential. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, because I, I think it's very easy to fall into uh, the temptation to think, that many things we have around us that we see every day are essential just because we see them every day. Uh, phones, computers, electricity. Right. You know, I mean, we, we think of electricity as an essential part of life. Uh, but is it? You know, you can live without electricity now. It might be uh, a lot harder nowadays just because we've, it's become so integrated into part of our life. But, uh, you know, I think that's just... Um, part of this question or part of the thing we want to maybe examine today, you know, is, is more necessarily better. Right. Right. Um, and I, there's so many areas in our life where I think less is better. I mean, obviously we can take that too far. It's not an absolute principle, but where we right, are, right. are at today, um, I think I'd say for many of us, but I know for myself, less is probably better today. Well, you know, can I can I mention a silly way where I like less is better? Sure. Restaurants. <laughs> you don't need to cook for me like five hundred things. You know, uh, every restaurant doesn't need to have the perfect Italian, Chinese, American, Mexican, and uh, some other form of food. Just just do one thing and do it well, and then I'll go to you. You know, it's, I want it, that thing. I, I completely agree. I mean, that's that's something that I have, have found uh, fascinating. As, you know, these all the, the 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 kitchen shows, the cooking shows on the various you know channels, cable channels, network channels, um, remaking, helping people who own restaurants make them. And that's one of the common things that you see today is just offer fewer things. You don't need a bazillion, as you're saying, you don't need a thousand items. You don't need to do be all things for all people. If you focus on just a few things and doing them well. You'll have a better restaurant. You'll have you'll and you'll get more business, and and a better guest experience in that way. Like where sometimes I can feel overwhelmed by uh, the number of things going on in uh, in a place, the number of things that are bombarding me for uh, my attention on the menu. Sometimes right. I'll even just tell the waitress, 
um, hey, here's uh, two or three things. I'd be happy with any of these. Bring one of them to me. Right. And that's why oftentimes, especially at a good restaurant where you know you can do this, you know, what do you recommend? You know, I, I, I see all these choices. Which one do you like? Be asking because it, it's even maybe in a simpler restaurant, a, a simpler menu can still be, you know, overwhelming. And so asking, um, you know, just what do you recommend and, and going from there? Um, yeah, I, 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 I completely hear you and agree with you. Uh, that, that's that's a that's a great example of, of what we're talking about. And last I, all, on the spiritual side, last week we were talking about Lent and the spiritual reading, and I mentioned how again it's just day mm-hmm. one. But just in my case, I found that less is more, especially when it comes to my Lenten devotions and and penances. That when I've tried to, and I found this to be true my spirit for my, myself in the spiritual life in general. When I try to bite off more than I can chew, when I'm trying to do a bunch of different devotions and so on i do all of them poorly and so you know more wood fewer arrows thing again trying to just focus on doing a few things intensely doing them well um and i think even in the spiritual life that applies as well less can be more less can be more um, yeah. so I think there's, Father, I, I remember, I don't know if you have any thoughts, recommendations for, on that specific point, um, on how to live simply. I remember Father Thomas Dubay, uh, the great writer mm. who passed away a few years ago, um, has, has a book on, 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 on gospel poverty. I don't remember what the title of it right now is. Um, and I don't know if he's got the perfect Blessed dance. are the poor. Blessed I are, yeah, yeah, there we go. Um, I, I mean, I'm not sure if I completely agree with him, but I know that reading it was helpful for me um, just to reflect more on on this point of do, do I allow the, the the great material abundance that that I have as a middle class American do I does that get in the way of of my love of God and my love of neighbor um, so so that might be I don't know resource do you, any 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 other you know sort of recommended reading come to immediately to mind for you out of curiosity um well, I mean, I, I've got a quote that I love that uh, coming up, but uh, um, I think that that would be a good one. Um, anything on uh, the life of St. Francis or any of the saints, I think you're going to yeah. find a lot of simplicity. And even just to remember when you're reading those things that, I mean, the complexity of our life now is vastly different than it was 100 years ago. Right. Um, I was talking with uh, with a priest friend about how we see as many images in a day as what our ancestors 200 years ago uh, would see in a year or maybe even a lifetime. Images. Images, yeah. Right, right. So you think about like even just like uh, the image on a ketchup bottle, right, of the brand. Um, and then let alone, I mean, like how many times have you looked at your phone, uh, on your computer, TV, anything like that in a day, and just all that exposure uh, to all those sources of images and just, there's just so much more in your life. Right. Right. So I think there's so many ways where, you know, again, as, as we're now into the beginning of the season of Lent, this is a good time to reflect on what are the essentials and what are the non-essentials that I can strip away because they're obscuring my love of God and my love of neighbor. I mean, there's a reason Jesus said you cannot ter- serve both God and mammon. It's because material wealth, material things can, if we're not attentive to them, can so easily um, b- become the things that we focus on and in that way doing become false idols. Correct, idols, correct, false correct. gods. Yes. So. 
or they can also drown out the voice in the presence of the one true God. Right, 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 exactly. Um, so that doesn't necessarily have to be like an, an idol in the sense of um, here I am worshiping my iPhone, uh, but just uh, preventing you from finding the one true God and, and, and giving him the sufficient and due time that he deserves and that his mission of uh, spiritual and corporal mercy deserves. Exactly. Yep. So anything else around this idea of simplicity that you, that you think would be good to mention or should we move on to the next point? So one of the things, well, you you take it because I I, lo- I loved how this all flowed, but it was it was your your idea, the structure. So what 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 did you take the next point then? Well, just uh, just another like further diving into this need for simplicity and maybe a little uh, an appeal to authority. That's not just Dr. Bergwald and I uh, fishing things up, but there's a, a great quote uh, from the C.S. Lewis book, The Screw Tape Letters. Uh, the Screw Tape Letters are a, a fictional work by uh, um, by C.S. Lewis, but a moral work with a with specific purpose, and it's it's written as the correspondence of a, uh, a senior tempting demon, an imagined uh, reality, but a senior tempting demon, kind of contrary to a uh, guardian angel. Um, but this correspondence by the senior tempting demon to his to his nephew Wormwood. And by the way, this book of C.S. Lewis, the Screw Tape Letters, is dedicated to J.R.R. Tolkien. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize that before you noted yeah. that. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, so there's a great quote in there about uh, noise, which is an- another type of complexity, as opposed to silence or even music. Uh, and I don't think he'd be thinking here of uh, Imagine Dragons or... Oh, Radioactive um, uh, is a great song. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> or uh, 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 Katy Perry, or something like that, for his uh, for music that uh, that the demon Screw Tape detests. Um, I think music here that Screw Tape detests would probably be more like things such as uh, Bach or Beethoven. Right, right. But anyway, so here here's this. Uh, it's it's a long quote. Because um, I, I forgot where you told me to end. But I'm just gonna go fire for it. Away. Yep. Uh, can I use kind of like a Radio voice? No, I won't. Uh, So the quote goes, Music and silence, how I detest them both. No square inch of infernal space and no moment of infernal time has been surrendered to either of these abominable forces, but all has been occupied by noise. Noise, the grand dynamism, the audible expression of all that is exultant, ruthless, and virile. We will make the whole universe a noise in the end. We have already made great strides in that direction as regards the earth. The melodies and silences of heaven will be shouted down in the end. But I admit we are not yet loud enough or anything like it. Research is in progress. End quote. So two things. And I have to say, to uh, you listening to this episode, before we recorded, I was telling Father how I, w- I was really struck by um, the, the outline that he proposed. And, and <laughs> just I, I wanted this to be a more contemplative 
episode. The problem is with an, an audio program, it's a little hot. We, we can't just have dead air all the time. So we, we have to fill the void, if you will, with, with words uh, just in order to make this something worth listening to. And yeah, I, Father, I, I, I just did want to let that sit there. We, we did a little bit, um, but just to reflect, I would encourage you when you get a chance if, as you're listening or after you listen to this episode, to go online and 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 uh, maybe find listen to the podcast and and Google uh, do a search for some of those those words to find the quote because it I don't know it's it's so evocative uh, a couple of things that struck me in particular um, let's see noise is capitalized capital N um, I don't I just struck by that Father any any thoughts on that Well I think just. Uh, uh... The noise as a, as an entity unto itself, not just a simple old now old noun, but noise as a force. Um, C.S. Lewis calls noise the grand dynamism, the audible expression of all that is exultant and ruthless and virile. Um, to make the whole universe a noise in the end. So just the idea that noise is is, is the occupation of is occupying yourself with anything but that which you should be occupied with. Right. Right. Can you say that so again? Instead of the, the, that noise are the things, uh, is noise is occupying yourself with anything except the precise thing you should be occupied with. Right. Right. So noise in that sense is more than just you know, sound. It's, it can be, a, right. it, you could have noise and silence. Right. I mean, like, uh, I'll be, when I do silent retreat work at Broomtree, I mean, there's noise still, but it's different than noise. Right, right, right. Yeah. There's and, like, you know, the, the closing of a door, there's the scratching of a fork on the plate. Um, there's that, but there's not just jibber jabber on and on, uh, tedious, needless, pointless, distracting you from the very one thing you should be attracted to right now. Exactly. Right, right. And that's, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to come back to that because you have some scriptural references that fit in there. But the other thing that struck me, um, at the end of the quote, research is in progress. Well, I think research has advanced, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, in the 50-ish years, 60 years since since Lewis wrote Screwtape Letters because there's a heck of a lot more noise now than there was back in the 40s or 50s. When I, you're exactly right that there is a heck of a lot more noise and that way. I think that way, that's why Lent can be that good opportunity to simplify or any time, uh, but just to simplify, simplify, pull back, um, whether it's in taking a weekend silent retreat at Broomtree, whether it's just, uh, you know, setting a cutoff time for screens, you know, no screens, uh, cell phone, computer, TV after 10 o'clock at night. Right, because again, you, the point earlier that you made, the, we're not just talking about audible noise, but all the ways that we distract ourselves from that which we should be focusing on. I love that definition of noise that you gave. Yeah, and uh, especially like that because it goes deeper into the C.S. Lewis quote where he says, the melodies and silences of heaven will be shouted down in the end. Now, of course, I mean, this is a demon saying that, uh, but the idea that, um, th that there's melodies and do often think about the melodies and silences of heaven, that there is silence in heaven. Right, right. We know at the very least in the book of Revelation, when I think it's the seventh seal, when yeah. it's open, there is silence in heaven yes. for about a half an hour. Yes. You know, 
or um, the idea, too, of the melodies of heaven. Think of the angelic hymns, the Gloria to God in the highest, uh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the God of hosts, and all the other melodies that are sung in heaven. If you look in the book of Revelations, Revelations 5, 7, 12, so that's right. the, the, and that to me that's where the, the so the silence and I think we, we're we're pretty quick to that you know we see we spear we see the spiritual value of silence of how you know by you know turning off the radio uh, in the car on the way to or from work and and just being reflective not necessarily thinking about anything but just being silent uh, certainly using that a time to pray perhaps or, or but even again not listening to something itself um can be beneficial but of course also can beautiful music uh music in 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 the most beautiful sense and we oftentimes we recognize that it's you know it's hard to define beauty um but it's we know it when we see it right like that that was a quote used in another context completely about something which is ugly but i think it's true about beauty uh we can give a more rigorous definition but we oftentimes just know it when we see it and allowing ourselves to be struck to be in awe of the beautiful um is, is is another is the the other side of 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 what this quote is addressing right of that of that need to be able to find beauty to plunge into i think is is what you're saying, and um, and to cultivate a, a repertoire, a, a resource of beauty in our lives, our right? Life. Right. So yeah. I think you know, just right now, I'm reflecting uh, about four years ago. Um, had the opportunity um, through the generosity of of well of my parents, I'll be clear. Um, we we as as an entire family, my my siblings, my parents, nieces and nephews, and my own uh, wife and kids, were able to go uh, to uh, to the Cancun area of Mexico in February. Uh, it was four years ago this month, um, and just for me, um, it was a beautiful time because I, the, the morning um, spending time. Um, in my my own personal prayer, um, just by the the ocean side, uh, and just reflecting and being struck by the just the scene. I remember the scene; I can see it vividly. Uh, of just and and being awe, being in awe of 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 the beauty of what nature that I was seeing, and how easily it allowed my mind to think of God. Of how easily it allowed me to enter into a spirit of and and the practice of prayer. Yeah, uh, how it, how it eases your mind into that makes you open to it, susceptible to it. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm just the, you know when we're and I was telling Father before we recorded, I was just thinking about this and and in the, the spiritual practice of of prayerfully uh, reading Scripture, Lexio Divina, divine reading, and and the last two steps or, or two of the later steps are meditation and then contemplation. So you meditate on uh, the particular verse, the passage in the Bible that strikes you, that resonates with you, and then you contemplate God. So it's looking at the text itself, but then looking through the text in contemplation to God himself and simply resting in the presence of God. And I think beauty can do the same thing when we're, when we're struck by something that's beautiful, whether it be a piece of music or a piece of art or nature. 
it's so easy for us then to move from meditating on this thing, which is beautiful in and of itself, to recognize it as a sign of the even deeper, more infinite beauty of God. So we move from meditating on the thing that's beautiful to contemplating God and his divine beauty. Uh, and that, that's a beautiful thing that, that I need to cultivate more often. I need to be more attentive to my own spiritual life. Um, and I was just struck by that, by, by this quote from Lewis. And uh, even too thinking about like, how often do we look at something that's appealing in some way or, or apparently beautiful? And our main response is, is, is more of how can I use this? Oh, you know, like uh, we look at maybe a, a beautiful piece of lasagna you know, and we think to ourselves, oh, that would really satisfy my hunger in this moment, right? Right, right. As opposed to to look at something beautiful or hear something beautiful, you know, or you hear a song, oh, that would really pump me up for a run. But instead to say, you know, wow, that makes me stop and think. That makes me stop and think about uh, the mystery of food, the mystery of um the things that move me, that makes me think about the important things of life, about God, about faith, about love, about courage, about generosity, um, about the gift of self. Um, so the, the first examples, I'm, I'm rightly, it, it's not a wrong thing, but I'm using the lasagna or the music for my own purposes, but in the other, for, for myself, uh, and staying sort of um, inward, for lack of a better word, uh, but with the, the the second example set of examples you're giving, it I transcend myself. I, I it raises my mind, my heart, my spirit to to greater things, to to reflect on big ideas, big questions of life, ultimately to God Himself. Right, for, uh, to to go from that. Um, immediate thing to go from that sensible thing that visible tangible thing uh to the mystery of god in god's self right exactly yep which though it's it's hard to describe that and um even just in like our own talking about i can feel like above the poverty of language right uh right now but uh listeners it's it's good to realize that there are things uh worth thinking about that aren't easy to think about <laughs> or talk about right so i just um i think that'd just be it's good to keep that in mind it's good to just log that away but then again and then, and then to think okay does my use of this sensory thing so you know whatever is engages your senses uh sight smell taste touch feel um i said touch and feel yeah. um <laughs> But uh, but whatever it might be, whatever I'm engaging in that way, does it lead me to think about the deeper things of God, of life, and of others? Exactly. Does it does it allow me to to transcend uh, myself and my needs right now, my more base desires, my base needs, and and raise my mind to love of God and neighbor? By the way, about half a minute left. How can I do this during Lent? Well, obviously, uh, take quiet time. You know, obviously go into a chapel or someplace where you can shut off the phone, you can shut off the TV uh, and think about those things. Um, read a book. Uh, be quiet with the book and allow yourself to stop and think on a page instead of just rushing through to the next page. Right, 
right? So all those different ways, just consider something that resonates, that works with you on how to simplify and enter into the presence of God and love of him and neighbor. And with that, we'll wrap up this episode of Ignition. You can Again, you can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet to us at sfdiocese hashtag ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock on Lamb Catholic Radio on 91.3 FM in Hartford and Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.